Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today, I'm joined by a former Canadian turned Angelino. She's a fashion lover and owner of Entree New, an online vintage consignment shop. She's a brand new mom to baby boy Hudson, and she's here to share her experiences in pregnancy and her unique birth story. Randy Wood, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. First of all, your billboard for your fashion is you. Yes. You yes. wear the most incredible things that I just like, where do you even find them? Oh, well, thank you. It's, um, I just always really loved fashion and really been drawn to items and, you know, the, the art of fashion that's unique and one of a kind. So I've always been like that. And, and even when it comes to furniture or art, I think that's the fun of it. So um, I love I love dressing up. So you grew up in Canada. Yes. When did you come to the States? About 12 years ago. Um, I can't believe it's been that long, but I've actually lived in the United States now in California longer than I've lived in Canada as an adult. Hey. So I feel like I'm a true Angelino. Welcome to our country. Oh, thank you. Yeah, your English is very good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I um, dropped the A. Oh, good. It takes people a while to get rid yes. of that. Eh, eh. Uh, once in a while, I hear the aboot from you. Yes, it's usually when I've been speaking to my parents on the phone, and then it will lash out, and everyone is like, are you Canadian? <laughs> yeah, you can't hide it forever. <laughs> what brought you to the United States? So originally, I came down to attend college. I went to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Fit them. Um, in 2008 and I majored in visual communications. What were your plans when you went to FITM? What were you planning to do afterwards? Well, you know, I was really open to exploring all facets of where my schooling and education would lead. There was a lot of different sectors that I was interested in. Um, I was kind of interested in all, you know, fashion show production, public relations, styling, personal shopping. So I um, started interning immediately when I got into school to really narrow down where 
it was that I really was passionate about and where my skill set really lied. But I didn't have like a super, super concrete plan. I just knew that I loved everything fashion and wanted to immerse myself into the industry. During your schooling, did it narrow down at all? Yeah, definitely. It did. Like I said, I um, interned in a lot of different sectors of the industry and pretty quickly learned that personal shopping and styling was really where I was the most passionate and really tried to zone in on that and for my graduation and really pursue that. Mm. It seems like Los Angeles would be a good place to do that. Absolutely. I mean, with the entertainment industry, I mean, to be super precise, styling here in Los Angeles is mostly about red carpet and celebrity, whereas if you were to do styling in New York, it'd be more editorial. But any part of it, I was more than enthusiastic to be a part of. And uh, you had a store, like a brick and mortar store. Yes. But you decided to go online at some point. Yes. So when I opened the store, it wasn't that long ago. I really wanted to create an experience for people to come into. You know, when I was growing up with my mom and my friends shopping, like on a Saturday or on a weekend, it would really be an experience. It would be something that you would do. You know, you'd go for a lunch, you would try on clothes, maybe buy one or two things, but it was all about like the day and the experience that surrounded that. And for the last decade, we've been so focused on online shopping and e-commerce, which I think is so wonderful in so many ways, but we've lost that experience of like what shopping was and the connection with friends to go out and do that. And it's one of my favorite things to do. So I really wanted to create a space where you came in and it was a beautiful store. You felt very comfortable. You felt like you were getting one-on-one attention and it really just felt special. So I think I was on to a right idea, but I don't think people were quite ready for that. I think the experience is coming back where all these now big time brands are having these experiential stores. But for a small business like mine, it wasn't quite the right time. So I was finding that most of my business really was coming from my online sales. So if 80% of my revenue was coming from online sales, 80% of my expenses were coming from having a brick and mortar. So it just didn't really make sense to keep the brick and mortar space from just like a business perspective. Yeah, it's good that you figured it out quickly. Yes, yes, for sure. And also, you recently had a kid. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you very much. And I don't know, it just seems like it's easier to run an online business as a new mom than to have to manage everything that goes into a brick-and-mortar store. Oh, no, absolutely, you're right. I mean, timing is everything. Um, I had my space for sublease up on the market for six months, not one person had come to look at it. And in June, which was the same month I found out I was pregnant, two people came to look at it and made two offers to sublease it. So it was really just impeccable timing. And now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that that happened because 
as rewarding and fulfilling as motherhood is, it would have been so stressful to know that I have like a brick and mortar that also carries so much responsibility and I would have been having to like juggle those. And I just think it would have maybe taken away from my experience of trying to be so present um, with being a first time mom. So it really was just really great timing for everything to happen. It all worked out. Or I should say it all worked out. I heard, mm-hmm. you, say, I heard you say oot one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I would love to learn more about your pregnancy and your birth experience. We're going to take a little break and we'll be right back with Randy Wood. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Randy Wood. So you said you found out you were pregnant in June. Had you been trying? Yes, we had been trying for a while. At least in my mind, I felt like it was a while. It would have probably been eight months. Mm. But at first, we were pretty casual about it, and I didn't want to overanalyze about timing and things like that because I wanted it to be a, like a stress-free experience. And then when that wasn't really working out, I actually went to see a fertility doctor just to make sure. I had gone to the fertility doctor a year and a half prior, and everything looked great. But why did you go to fertility doctor before you were trying? Oh, no, this was while I was trying. So six months in, I went to the fertility doctor around when I was like 34. And I just wanted to make sure I'm all about being proactive. So I just wanted to make sure that everything looked great. So then when we did start to try that there would be no setbacks because I knew we weren't planning on trying for like another year, year and a half. And me coming into that like 35 to 40 age window. Geriatric pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I was just trying to like have all my ducks in a row, have all our, our ducks in a row and make sure that once we started trying, there would be no obstacles. The last thing I wanted to do was wait a year and a half, start trying for a year, get nowhere, then go to the fertility doctor, and then be like, oh, well, this is the reason. And I could have cut all that time out. So I was just trying to be really proactive about it. So you both did testing? 
My husband actually didn't at the time, only because no reason other than like the fertility doctor was like, everything looks great. And That's the easiest test to do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were almost getting to that point after we've been trying for six months and, and I went back to the fertility doctor and she was kind of like monitoring my every move. Um, according to like every move of my cycle, we were getting to that point and we were just getting down to the last couple tests and my husband was going to go in and get his fertility, you know, tested. And then I got pregnant. Oh, how did you find out? So what actually ended up happening? And I, I think maybe it's important to share this is that a couple years Prior to starting to try, I had been diagnosed with like slight hypothyroidism. Okay. And I had been on a prescription. And I actually had been on and off. It was Synthroid for seven years. And I know my body pretty well. So if there was a time that I would go off it and I would start to feel very sluggish you know, lots of symptoms were like, you're cold, your digestion's not that great. I'd be like, hmm, maybe I should go into the doctor and get my blood taken. Perhaps I need to go back on my thyroid medication. This had happened twice in the six months that I was trying. I wasn't on Synthroid and I went to like just my regular doctor and said, you know, I'm not feeling right. I'm really low energy, you know, et cetera. I'd like to get my blood taken and my thyroid tested. So we did that twice over a six months period. And they were like, you're fine. It's fine. Don't need to go back on your prescription. So then I went to the fertility doctor and she did all my like very typical fertility tests, like looked at my ovaries, you know, the, my fallopian tubes, made sure my eggs were dropping, all of that. And then my like fourth appointment, she took my blood test and she said to me, oh, your thyroid levels are not good. Are you on something for this? Oh, that's and I interesting. said, no, <laughs> I'm not. But it, like I have brought this up to my regular doctor and she's like, no, 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 no. You need to get on something. Your levels are really low. This might be okay for a regular person, but these levels are not okay to get pregnant. Hmm. So she's like, I'm going to renew your prescription for Synthroid. And I was really annoyed and upset from my regular doctor. So, but I was like, thank goodness. Like I went to the fertility doctor. She put me on a prescription and then she said, okay, so next time you ovulate or next time, sorry, the first day of your period I want you to come in and we're going to actually put you on, I forget what the drug is called, but it's actually, um, Clomid? yes, yes. Clomid, yes. Mm. And I said, okay. And so I started taking the Synthroid and I was on it for 10 days and I got pregnant. Oh, wow. So it was so clearly that it was affecting my progesterone. Wow. Um, and that was, my progesterone was really, really low. And so, hence when I found out and took a pregnancy test, I almost didn't believe it because I really believed that my progesterone was too low to be pregnant and or I felt like I couldn't get excited because 
if your progesterone is very, very low, there is a high likelihood that you won't carry your baby, you know, past the first trimester. So we found out I was three, four days late. I took a pregnancy test just for peace of mind, but I really, really did not feel like I was pregnant. And then it said pregnant. And I was actually, my husband and I were out for dinner and I happened to have a pregnancy test in my purse. I know this sounds really weird. (laughs) I'll just take it. And then I'm washing my hands in the restaurant and I'm looking and I go back to the table and I say to my husband, I'm like, you're never going (laughs) to, what just happened? And he was like, what? He was very concerned. I was like, I just took a pregnancy test and it's pregnant. And he was in shock as well. And he's like, okay, like, don't think you should have another drink. (laughs) But maybe we should just wait till we go to the doctor to be excited. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. Did he know you were going to take one? No, I had bought like a bunch of pregnancy tests. And because I had been trying to get pregnant over the past eight months, like I would like think I was pregnant all the time. So I was taking pregnancy tests all the time. So I just happened to have one in my purse and wasn't focused on taking it. But just after my second drink, I was like, oh, I'm in the bathroom. (laughs) Because pregnancy tests might as well. Oh, that's uh, that's one of the most crazy finding out your pregnant stories. I know. I've heard, I've heard a lot of them. <laughs> How was uh, pregnancy for you? How were the different trimesters? So uh, the first trimester was very rough for me. I One thing I was really not prepared for, and I actually, my husband and I have gone to your wife on numerous occasions, and, you know, we talked to her a lot about this, but the first trimester, I feel like people don't talk about enough because I think people don't tell their friends and family they're pregnant until their second trimester. So the first trimester kind of gets glossed over, but it was really, really tough for me. Like I can't ever remember feeling that terrible. I was so nauseous for a solid seven weeks and it wasn't morning sickness. It didn't go away after morning. It was just all day, every day. Were you throwing up too? Not throwing up. I mean, thankfully, I think. Um, Some people are like, no, throwing up, you feel better. I don't know. I I, I just know. I didn't throw up, but I just felt like I wanted to throw up all the time. Mm -hmm. Couldn't eat, had no appetite, was very tired. But like, I was so nauseous. I didn't want to face the day. Like, I just wish I could have slept for seven weeks. But I was so nauseous, I couldn't sleep. So it was pretty tough. Um, Did anything give you relief? Not really. I tried everything. It was really just waiting it out. Did you try medications for it? No, I didn't. Basically, my doctor had said that I could go on medication only if I was throwing up. So I was just kind of stuck with my nausea. At least it went away after your first trimester. Yes, thankfully, because I hear that that's not the case with some people. So I'm very, very thankful that it just lasted the first trimester. Hmm. How Um, was uh, two and three? Two was pretty good. Definitely. Hmm. I, you know, felt like myself for most of two. And then I think I started seeing a you around my third trimester when I started to have some back issues and rib issues. So 
Overall, I would say like I didn't have, and I don't want to sound ungrateful or anything, but I didn't overly enjoy my pregnancy. I didn't have the best time. And that's just me being super, super honest. I think it's great to be honest. And it doesn't make you ungrateful at all that you were so uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people don't talk about, you know, if they don't love their pregnancy, it makes you seem ungrateful. And it wasn't that I was ungrateful at all about actually being pregnant and getting pregnant naturally and all of these things. But I was just, I was very uncomfortable to be frank, the whole, almost the whole time or 75% of my pregnancy was very uncomfortable. So I was looking forward to actually having the baby. (laughs) Aside from being uncomfortable, how were the body shape changes for you? Um, I didn't really start showing until I want to say like five months. So I had a lot of mental preparation. I knew that I was going to change, obviously. And funny as it is, I actually liked when I started showing a little bit more, like around six months. It was very hard for my husband, I think, to make the connection, like how like I wasn't feeling well, you know, because of pregnancy and you know, that it was actually carrying a human being when I wasn't really showing. Mm. And then I thought it was a lot easier for him and he was able to have as silly it is, as it is, but a lot more sympathy, empathy for me when you could like actually see my bump. And I don't know if it was because of me being super uncomfortable in the first trimester, but I actually didn't gain that much weight. And my appetite wasn't incredibly large or anything. I actually have much more of an appetite breastfeeding than I did being pregnant. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Let's take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you planned for your birth and how it actually went. We'll be right back with Randy Wood. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Randy Wood. When did you start thinking about how you want your birth to go? I'm a planner. So Ah. I started thinking about it right away. Like a couple months in, I researched getting a doula. I really didn't know much. And I wanted to hire someone to inform me as much as possible because you hear so many opinions about different things, but I really wanted to be educated and informed so I can make the best decisions possible for myself. And I really didn't know that much. What resources did you use to brush up? Well, I hired a, she's actually technically a labor coach and nurse, Mm -hmm. and she has different levels of packages that you can get with her. And basically we hired her, I think I was three months in, And we'd meet with her every two weeks and discuss a different topic, whether it would be um, how to prepare your relationship for after the baby, what the different kinds of medication are that you will be given as options in the hospital, you know, different ways of delivery, different, you know, the things that will happen during labor, the different stages. It was so much information. And like I said, we met with her every two weeks for, you know, two hours up until 
I was eight months. And mm. then she has online courses as well. So I just felt like I learned everything that I could possibly learn mm-hmm. um, or be prepared. I was prepared as much as I possibly could be going in. So there are so many choices to make. Where did you settle on your birth intentions? So I was really flexible in the sense of having an intention, just like you said, but I wasn't attached to a certain outcome because I have known people in the past. Some of my friends have been very attached to like wanting their birth to go a certain way and then having a lot of like emotional stress when it doesn't go that way. So I wanted to be open-minded and not put too much weight on it. My intention was to deliver vaginally and have a walking epidural. Mm-hmm. And that's an option that's not available in large parts of the country. So you wanted to have a hospital birth with an obstetrician yes. vaginally, and you wanted some pain relief. Yes. But the walking epidural option that's offered at one of the hospitals here if it works well, gives you probably about 40 or 50% of the intensity off, but you can still walk around. And one of the greater benefits is you don't have to have a urinary catheter. If you have to pee, you just get up and go to the bathroom. Exactly. Exactly. So I thought it was kind of bridging the gap between the things that I've heard about the cons that I've heard about having a totally natural birth or having an epidural where you don't feel anything in the middle. And yes, thankfully, the hospital that I was going to be delivering at offered the walking epidural. Okay. So that's that's a good point. Were you uh, of the mindset to labor at home for a while or to get to the hospital sooner than later? Yes. I wanted to labor at home as much as possible and then get to the hospital being five or six centimeters dilated. That was the intention. Although I didn't quite know what that would look like. Yeah. And then your labor coach was going to come with you? Yes. She would, she would meet us first at home, help us through some part of laboring at home, and then go with us to the hospital. Anybody else in the room with you that you were planning to have? Nope, just the three of us. So my husband and her. Yeah, and eventually like the baby and the doctor and all the nurses, but of course, yeah, the three that you that you brought with you. Yeah. Um, uh, so how did it actually go down? Where were you in relation to your due date when things started happening? So I was two and a half weeks early, which was one of the most surprising parts about giving birth because I had gone to my doctor. So at 35 weeks, I believe I went to him 35 and a half weeks and he had checked my cervix and he had said, Oh yeah, you're all closed up. You haven't dilated at all. You know, you're a first time mom. Don't expect to give birth to this baby for, before your due date. Mm. So I had that in my head And then I also had in my head that, you know, the percentage of first-time moms that go to their due date and beyond is very, very high. Mm -hmm. It's not super likely that, you know, you are giving birth a couple weeks early if you're a first-time mom. So having that kind of in the back of my head, I had also been telling people like, my labor nurse. I had also been explaining to her and the doctor if I was experiencing any like pre-labor symptoms. And I think everyone kind of brushed me off a little bit. Not that they didn't 
want to take me seriously, but they're probably used to like the mass of women getting really riled up about like any sensation that they experience and thinking that they're going into labor. And so I had been experiencing some like pre-labor symptoms, but both, like I said, my labor nurse and my doctor were like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's normal. So I was like, okay, okay. So I actually saw you on the day that I went into labor. And it was crazy. Which was crazy. I know, which <laughs> makes it perfect that we're talking. You haven't heard my story yet. <laughs> yeah, so, it was crazy because you came in and you're like very seemingly having contractions. You said something yeah. like, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I've been uncomfortable. I've been feeling these cramps for a while. Well, just they come and go, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. and I was like, hmm, maybe that's labor. You're like, no, it's not labor. It's just cramps that are coming every whatever number of minutes. Yes. Well, what also one thing that was really confusing to me about it was that I had had Braxton Hicks contractions and what I was experiencing the day I went into labor was very different. Mm-hmm. So I thought that when I was going to go into labor, I thought they would be like Braxton Hicks contractions, just more intense. But what had happened is that day I woke up at like 2 a.m. with what felt like very intense period cramps. And I told my husband and I was just like, oh, like I'm so uncomfortable. But to me, in my head, I'm thinking like, what's new? Like I'm uncomfortable. This has been my pregnancy, you know? So I just really tried to brush it off. And my husband actually traveled that day for work. And he's like, do you want me to stay? I don't have to go. And I was like, oh, no, no, it's fine. I'll be fine. So I just tried to distract myself all day. And so I had what we'll call cramps or what I really felt like were cramps that would like come in waves of intensity. But I carried on about my day. I got eyelash extensions. I went for lunch. (laughs) And I just tried to like breathe through them and to wear... When I came in to see you, I was telling you about them and you were kind of like, yeah, well, you could be in labor, but then we kind of were like talking about it and it didn't seem like they were contractions as much. Wouldn't you say, remember when I turned over and you like felt my belly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still thought you were having contractions. I was, I was suggesting that you go see, cause your doctor wasn't, is not too far away from my office. Right. It's like, maybe you can go see your doctor on the way home to. Right. Right, which I did call, and they and I told them what was going on. Again, everyone was kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why don't you come in tomorrow morning? Oh, uh, yeah, so you went home. So I went home. So by the time I got home, though, I left you, your office at 4, and by the time I got home, by 5, I couldn't even walk through the garage without, wow. like, pausing. And my husband had just come home early because he thought – well, maybe Randy's in labor, but maybe she's not. Either way, she's really uncomfortable, and I at least need to be there for, like, moral support. Oh, good thinking. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I came in, and I was in so much pain. Like, I, I don't know if, like, whatever you did, the massage, it, like, started to intensify, or just so it was just coincident of timing, but I was starting to cry from the pain. Oh, wow. So my husband called my labor nurse, and said, this is what's going on. Like Randy is in a lot of pain. So whether she's in labor or not, I think we need to go to the hospital. 
So then by that time, my husband Diva was telling her, you know, everything was going on. She's like, okay, okay. Yeah, I think she's, this sounds like labor. This sounds like labor. Okay, I'm going to come over. <laughs> so that was 6.30 p.m. she came over and my contractions were getting intense. And I still was in like a little bit of denial that this was, again, labor. I like, I couldn't believe it because I was just so not mentally prepared for it to happen so quickly. Like I didn't even have, I had all these projects set aside for me like to do while I was getting close to my due date. Like I hadn't packed my hospital bag. My nursery was not done. And I was like, oh, I'll just keep those to the side to distract myself while I'm waiting for this baby to come. So I was quite denial about it. Till then about finally, like I was in so much pain by seven o'clock, I just was crying almost inconsolably when I was having contractions. And then my husband was like, we need to go. We need to go to the hospital. Because he said also to my labor nurse, Sarah, he said, Sarah, I know you don't know Randy like super well, but if she is crying this much, like I think she's pretty far along. Like she is in a lot of pain. I really feel like we need to go to the hospital. And Sarah said, I know she was trying to just postpone us a little bit and slow us down. Because I think what she was thinking, like, God forbid we get to the hospital. I'm not that far along. I'll be really upset and discouraged. And so she's like, okay, well, you're going through a shift change right now. Like, let's wait 15 more minutes until finally we're like, like, we're going. We have to go. So we get to the hospital and check in. They take me to a triage room, put the fetal monitor on, check me. I am six centimeters dilated. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so, How often do you find that? I know. I know. And right when we checked in, we asked if the anesthesiologist was close by, told them that I wanted an epidural. So they were like, okay, you know, again, they were thinking first time mom, this is probably going to take a while. They're like, we'll check her, get her into the triage room. So then they got my actual labor room ready. And we're like, okay, like when we get to the labor room, like Randy, like really wants to get an epidural. <laughs> and I was in so much pain. Like, what were so you feeling it? Uh, am I really just right below my stomach? So it was belly. Yeah, below the belly, like really like felt like men's super, super intense menstrual cramps. It was never in my belly at all. Again, that's what was confusing. I think I expected something different. So finally get into the labor room after it took me like 20 minutes to walk down to the hallway because I was in so much pain. And um, then the nurse we had, who was lovely, but knew oh no yes had no sense of urgency to her and had a really hard time drawing my blood and getting my IV in so that was taking a very long time and she was saying that they couldn't call the anesthesiologist until they sent my blood down to the lab which my labor nurse was a little confused by because she used to work at the hospital and she'd never heard of that before so it was just like we were waiting and waiting. I was just in so much pain and my husband was actually getting like very distraught. 
because, you know, we had requested the anesthesiologist and the epidural about an hour and a half earlier and I was progressing and it just seemed like there was just no urgency in the room. So finally, I shouldn't say finally, about like 40 minutes later, I just said, I'm like, I feel like I need to push. Whoa. Yes. And again, everyone was like, like all the nurses in the room were like, oh yeah, you feel pushy. Oh, okay. Yeah. They still weren't taking you seriously? They were not taking me seriously. Thank goodness for my labor nurse, my doula, Sarah. So she said, can someone just please check her? And so they check me and I am 10 centimeters dialed. Oh, so you could start pushing. Yes. Were you excited at that point or were you still frustrated not to have your epidural? I was really frustrated and I was really so like distraught. It's kind of a blur to me. Like I could not open my eyes. I was in so much pain that I like a little bit blackout. The way I remember it the most is because uh, Sarah and my husband David took so many pictures and videos. So I remember through kind of that experience through the documentation of it. But if probably if I didn't have those, like I wouldn't remember much because I was just in so much pain. So at that point, Sarah said to me, she said, okay, like we need to have a conversation, which at that point I couldn't even have a conversation with her. She's like, the anesthesiologist is ready to come in and he can give you your epidural, but you're going to have to sit up and not move for five minutes while he administers it. It will take 30 minutes to kick in, and then you will feel no pain. You will be very comfortable, and you will probably have your baby in three hours. But you will have to sit up for this, and you will have to not be able to move. Or I can call the doctor in right now, and you can push, and you'll have your baby in probably 30 minutes. And the thing was about it is that I just did not think that I could sit up and be still for five minutes. That was really the reason that I said, okay, if the doctor comes in right now, not in five minutes, not in 10 minutes, but right now I will push. So the doctor came in right away and I pushed probably about 10 pushes. It was probably 30 minutes, just like she said. And I had a baby. Wow. That's such an incredible story. Thank you. Thank Um, you. Hopefully at that point they started taking you seriously. Yes. Oh, yes. Actually, the nurses were really wonderful about it at that point. They were they were just kind of watching in awe. And they were like, you're so strong. I had, I remember at one point, I had like this one very clear memory where I opened my eyes. And it was actually the anesthesiologist was in the room, about two or three nurses, my husband, like there was a lot of people in the room. And three of the nurses were holding hands watching me. Wow. He's so strong. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually a very nice memory. Did you have that moment when the baby came out where it was blissful, like totally okay? Oh, yeah. So after, when the baby actually came out, I was so happy, one, that the baby came out, but two, just like so relieved that I could not stop smiling and I was almost like laughing. It seemed like a odd reaction, but I think my adrenaline was so high. I was so relieved. And 
it was just such a whirlwind and just so crazy that it happened so fast. I was just like all smiles, so excited. My husband was teary eyed and I was just like, oh my gosh, like I have a baby. Like this is so exciting. I'm so happy. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Well, it was a joy to work with you during your pregnancy, and I'm grateful to you for sharing your story from literally beginning to end. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, sorry if I gave too much detail. No, it started really interesting, and it ended really interesting. Yeah. I have a question for you. Where can we find your online boutique, Entree New? Yes, of course. It's at Entree New Showroom on Instagram. And the website is entrenewshowroom.com. And I'm on first dibs at Entree New is the boutique. And it's, but I want to say thank you to you also for having me and just being such a wonderful support system throughout my pregnancy. Oh, I, have I don't the know best, what I would have without you. I have the best job in the world. I get to help really nice people enjoy as comfortable pregnancy and birth as they can. So I'm super grateful. And at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you have questions, you can always write to us at informedpregnancy.com. And if you'd like more parenting-related media, visit us on Instagram at Dr. Berlin. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. I got a whole lot of questions for you This kid's gonna test my will I got a lot to learn and my baby's too <laughs> This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike Dr. Mom Butt Bomb As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.